MFs and others, hello and welcome to the pilot episode of Hustle Like You Broke. Each week, we will take a balanced look from behind the scenes, celebrating the working class heroes of the concert industry. My name is Matthew Walt, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts, where I'm currently sheltered in place. Five weeks at home marks the longest stretch I have done anywhere in the past several years, and it is fucking weird. Love my kids, but I'm not happy about it. I'm also honored and proud to be joined by three great friends and colleagues coming to us from Los Angeles, California, one of the world's great audio engineers and a true MF to me, Mr. Kyle Hamilton. Good afternoon, sir. Good evening. How are you? Enjoying this coronation? I am fantastic. And how are you today, sir? Uh, it's sunny. It's a balanced day. Uh, just sitting back here reco- recovering from about uh, eating a little bit too much uh, crunch berries. But other than that, <laughs> maintaining and keeping a low you profile. You and your crunch berries. Well, I, I aspire to achieve your balance, and I appreciate you, sir. Also coming to us from Los Angeles, California, and another of the world's great audio talents, Mr. Chris Lee, a.k.a. my good brother, Banks. What's going on, brother Banks? What's going on, brother Walt? What's how's it going? Excellent, uh, excellent. What were you going to say, my friend? No, I was just going to say hello. I don't have much to say. <laughs> I'm sheltered in place. So uh, you always have things to say, and I appreciate that. Last but definitely not least, coming to us from Miami, Florida. So we are covering the United States here, the amazing, incomparable hello, Christine hello. Dallas. What's you know, with you, Dallas? in place, trying to get away from this, uh, trying to say physically distant, not socially distant. How's that? I like that. I appreciate that. So here we are. It is currently the third week of April, and everyone knows what Next that time. means. How is your Coachella going this year? <laughs> well, I'm still working on the sand from last year that I can't get out my teeth. <laughs> well, that sounds about right. And of course, much like the tax man, Coachella is not actually upon us at this time, is it? We are looking to regroup in October. I guess let's start there. I was supposed to be working with six artists in varying capacities this year i was part of the creative design team for three had the plans all teed up signed off by the artists ready for fabrication and then boom nothing grinding halt i get a call on wednesday the 8th of april that was when it really hit me i was standing in my kitchen here in boston cold outside one o'clock in the afternoon my buddy CJ hits me, production manager for a few of our, uh, the artists that I, I work with from time to time. And he says, hey, we'd be in Burbank heading to rehearsal right now. And that was the moment that kind of fucked me up, to be honest, because it, it, it wasn't more real for me until that moment when I realized, that's right, I should have been in Los Angeles for a week already. Enjoying the sun. <laughs> wow. I am definitely not. I, I am jealous of the three of you, I suppose, for that, because at least all three of you are in hot and sunny places. Dallas, no disrespect. Don't love your humidity, but uh, the warmth I could handle right now 
It is 45 fucking yikes. degrees outside here. Ouch. And uh, yikes. But uh, yeah, we are not here to be weather people. We are here to talk about our business. So Dallas, you're going to be working with Travis Scott. You are going to be backstage managing for him. You are going to be in South America for the Lollapaloozas before that. So tell us, I mean, the question that everyone I think really wants to hear, especially those of us who work behind the scenes, is Kendall Jenner it's coming or not? Kylie, but um, <laughs> it would be Kylie because it is, uh, you know, the anniversary of some very important things. But we're not allowed to discuss that. Kylie is, is Kylie is a baby mama to Travis, and I have utmost respect for the two of them. But Kendall oh. is the one that I am interested in hearing about. Sorry, I didn't Thank realize this. Much. Well, I'm not familiar with uh, her movings and goings, but I would assume she'd be there to support her. Well, I don't know what you call that pseudo brother-in-law well i uh sister's baby daddy (laughs) (laughs) well nevertheless if you could please look into that for me that is what i would like to achieve by the end of today's call if that is possible it is and whose fire alarm is going off may i ask yeah, I mean, if somebody's if burning some down, good stuff, uh, trying to get ready for 420, and they're burning down their house. What is happening here? Is it <laughs> talking about Coachella? Makes you want to burn something. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. That, that might have been me. I don't know. I just I just took my oh, headphones dear. off. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Technical difficulties straight out the gate. Here we are. And coming from one of the audio guys, no less. No less. And now we got horns honking. What is going on? <laughs> Did we already start playing with tracks here? What's happening? <laughs> yes. Well, the coronation is in full, full effect. Uh, I suppose the reality, the reality is that people are going to have to get used to that because while we are in four different places right now, odds are we always will be because we hope to be back in business one day soon. And I have had the great fortune to be on the road with as many as two of you, three of us together at any one time. Though I don't believe the four of us have yet. And I know that you all have worked with each other in various times, but the point is, God willing, we are working again. And that means one of us could be in Australia and one of us could be in fucking Austria or something. And shit, let's get back to the matter at hand. Dallas, please, your impressions. The absence of Coachella, the absence of Lala. How did it hit you? What do you think of all this? I mean, it's, I'm still not, I think, able to really wrap my head around the whole thing. But um, I will say this. I think that it, for me, you know, is advanced. I was in the middle of advancing shows. I'd done all my advance for uh, Lollapalooza pretty much. And, you know, we were, we were ready to go. And then, you know, is the scale of, you know, I pay attention to the news. I'm someone that reads the news every day. So, you know, I was aware of what was happening in China and I was kind of watching it and hoping it would not turn out to, in fact, what we di- what it did, in fact, turn into. But I think from a business perspective, what is very interesting um, was as we were working towards not the, you know, the three Lollapaloozas we were doing and then the Coachella, it's how the information comes back to people like us that we're not going somewhere. Like, oh, by the way, we're expected to continue to keep working because you don't want to ever let the cat out the bag that the artist isn't going to go. You may not have heard that yet. You know, we don't know what was happening, but you could feel the brakes coming on. But again, the official word 
never really came across except for in the news. You know, we, we, where do we learn about things in the news? We don't really learn about them in a formality. And I don't think that's just because of, I'm not saying because of who I work for. I think it's typical in the industry. Yeah, that we more often learn, oh, Coachella's canceled from a newspaper article or, you know, the, the web, then you get a particular phone call saying, oh, just so you're aware, this is what we're looking at. I think you're right. I, I mean, I, there were definitely rumors. It, the, the day before the official answer came out, I, I think it was like 9 o'clock, 9.15 p.m. Eastern time, and I received a dozen texts within three minutes of each other from a couple of different agents and a couple of different people saying, Hey, by the way, this is the conversation we're having. And it looks like it's moving in that direction. But I I think you're right. I I don't remember an official coming to me from anybody. I I think it was very much like, you know, here's billboard. Oh shit. Right. Look at that. And, and I, and honestly, we were all waiting for it to happen with Coachella, right? And and the Lala's also the same thing. But we were hearing about one thing or another that was getting moved. And to your point, you know, we all just kept moving forward. We're still working on a little of this, advancing this, advancing that, you know, building this, designing that. And then one thing at a time, announcement about this one going away, announcement about that one going away. Oh, shit. What's Coachella going to do? Like Coachella was the one where everybody said, when Coachella moves, that's the sign. And I think the same thing happened overseas with Glastonbury. As soon as Glastonbury came down, that was when the notion of the summer season going away really took on much more serious tone. And and most of the festivals in Europe, unless I'm mistaken, are still scheduled. Uh, for July I and think, August. Right I think now. it's later than that. Now. I heard, I was talking to someone dead bark this morning August. and they said now things are pushed back till August there for anything. And I think, yeah. but I think it's right. also the delay of the virus. I mean, you, while you were speaking, I was thinking that last weekend I went to Okeechobee festival to see some of the Coachella peeps that I work with at Coachella just to check on them. Right. And that was, what was That's that right. a month ago now? And I didn't think at all, even in that moment that that was going to be the last conversation you know, that we were going to be having for a bit. And, and then at the same time, I think Daytona speed, uh, wasn't that the, the race was the following weekend. And mind you, Florida was one of the first States hit, but the way this moved around the cut and California was one of the first States hit, but yeah, we were still sitting there. We still didn't hear about the Coachella thing till later. And then Glastonbury, wasn't that just like last week that they canceled that? Yeah. Well, I think it was Hyde park. That was most recent to, to cancel in the UK. I feel like Glastonbury canceled a couple of weeks ago. And then, and then it was, what was it Germany that announced that they were going to be, you know, shutting down any large scale gatherings for this summer. And I don't remember, I think Dallas, you were the one who told me this. I think we were having a prep call yesterday and you were the one who mentioned it. And I, I guess that all to your point that you made before Dallas was, you know, one thing at a time we're hearing you know, this is what's happening. And it's not so much an official capacity from the artists or the promoters necessarily. Not that it, it not that we're saying that it needs to be that way. Um, but it's just interesting the way this is coming down. And, and to the point of, you know, just being in these uncharted territories, you know, this isn't the first time there's been any sort of work stoppage in the business, but this seems to be the one where there's the most Am I, is, would I be right to say the most unknowns, the most uncertainty in terms of when we come back and how we come back? And 
And, and I think that that's what we want to try and, you know, talk about it here. And what we want to try and understand is, you know, I guess one, I'm curious when you guys think we come back uh, Two, I'm curious, you know, how we can, we've talked around this a lot, how we can kind of avoid this or not necessarily avoid it, but prepare for it better. God forbid we have to have to deal with a, a work stoppage like this again and, and so many related issues that come out of it. So, uh, Banks, why don't you chime in? You and I were working together on one of the artists I had going to Coachella, and, and I know you had plans to be with, I think it was Chris Martin in the weeks before that. Yeah. Um, he's done one of the, you know, in my opinion, best live streams I've seen so far. So kudos to him. But unfortunately, I suspect you weren't there with him in his living room <laughs> to record him at that piano. So the work stoppage nonetheless has affected you. What, what, what do you think? What do you think about when we come back? What's your feeling? And uh, what's your feeling on, on this work stoppage and, and what we can do uh, moving forward as an industry in order to put ourselves in a better situation and prepare for a work stoppage again? I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like when we you know finally look at a little glimmer of hope and we see, okay, this is still happening. These dates are still in the calendar. You know, lo and behold, you get another update or an email or a text from a friend going, oh, yeah, by the way, this is being canceled. This is being canceled. So right now it's kind of a moving target as far as trying to figure out when we're going to be coming back. I mean, I saw early this morning that uh, Belgium, you know, they canceled everything until August 31st, which includes a lot of shows I was going to be doing this summer at Rockworker, Pucal Pop, uh, all those festivals in Belgium. So. You know, it's kind of a moving target. Um, you know, as far as the stoppage, I mean, it was kind of shocking for me. I, I started getting cancellations in mid-February. Uh, I had a show with Sierra at a naval base, and that was one of the first things that got canceled in March. And when we saw that, you know, it kind of, you know, kind of got a lot of people on the edge, you know, because it's like, okay, if the base doesn't want us there, then this might be a little bit more serious than we thought it was going to be, you know, um, I, I, I don't, I really don't know what to do at this point. I mean, because there aren't very many options right now, you know, uh, things that you would, you know, normally turn to, you know, during periods when it would be slow, everything is shut down. And, uh, I can say, you know, there's a little glimmer of hope today. I, I was able to do a, a live broadcast for good morning America from, you know, an artist's home this morning. Which, you know, if that's going to be the new norm, then, you know, hey, <laughs> let's let's jump into it whole heartedly. Take to work. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll take to work. I'll, I'll come down to your house and let's mix and do a, you know, a live thing from the house and broadcast okay. on television. If but that's going to be sorry, the new norm. That, I was just going to say that's an interesting question because I was going to ask you, obviously, that requires you to go there to this person's house. Now, mm -hmm. how do you protect yourself in right. that? And how are you protected financially? Because, for example, this person could be asymptomatic, didn't know they had something. And somehow you get something, right. you know, just saying the worst is this is what we're fighting for right now, right? <laughs> this is why we're all staying at home. But you right. know, do, do you have, right. like, what if something came from that? And, you know, would you have any recourse, um, like, for health reasons or financial, should you get sick? You know, and I think that that's the issue right now. And I think right. this is where we, we as freelancers and people in our career, you know, we, we always are so busy going for the goal of achieving 
the job at hand. And that's our most important task. And, you know, maybe a lot of us have a little bit of ADHD and other things like that, which don't, you know, we like to look ahead. We like to focus on the task immediate. But I think where we're all hindered is that we never stop long enough to say, you know, how can we put in the right parameters to um, give ourselves the right strengths to keep working forward because we don't want to get sick again. You know, or in this case, like, how do you write those into contracts that protects you financially and physically, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that oftentimes with our business, we're so quick to get back out there. We, you know, we've been in this business a long time, not just us specifically, but the business itself, it's been around for a bit, but still in terms of other businesses, it's still relatively new. So I think this is what kind of hinders us a lot of times when it comes to formalizing. I mean, the theatrical you know, we can look at our IAT friends who they figured it out a long time ago. But why do we as freelancers don't have those same parameters in place? And I think, you know, this is where we all have to keep looking at this stuff and, and come to a time where now the time is now. There's no better time than right now for us to figure out how we protect ourselves for the future. But you kind of you kind of do have those in place with your own healthcare provider that you go with you by being self-insured i mean i'm self-insured with my health care and everything so it's like how can i put into a contract in case i get sick you have to compensate me i mean that's like i mean again this is a different strain of a flu but it's a little more you know flu on steroids per se but in the end of the day with being keeping up your natural hygiene practices you know I don't get sick. I, I think the last time me personally have been sick was maybe eight to 10 years ago. Because um, one, I don't hang around people. Two, I'm not in people's close proximity. I don't like to be touched. So, <laughs> I mean, so when, with, with, with saying that, if I come into your house, you could be sick as a dog. And if, I, if you're not coughing on me and I got my little mask on everything, again, we're not going to even do a show then. But if if you're asymptomatic and I'm not in your face, you're not touching me, it's not necessarily um, – it's airborne. But, I mean, again, you can't live completely in fear. I mean, that's like – I mean, thus far, more people have died from the average flu than from the coronavirus. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to stop that conversation. Like, let's not get into the political no, conversation. I'm not getting yeah, – This shit being like a flu. What I'm saying is – at the end of the day, everybody's going to get sick from something at some point in time. Now, if you do the bright precautions or whatever, the, the, every, every little thing that you have to do, like to wear your mask, wear your gloves, whatever, wash your hands, you know, mainly wash your damn hands. Mm-hmm. You know, if you kept common practice common sense, when you, especially in a work environment, you'll be fine. Like you're up there hugging on people's face, kissy, kissy, and all that stuff. You're just here to do a job. I'm behind my console. The artist is be over there. You, you wipe off the microphones, you do your thing, you make your money, and you bounce. All right, now wait a second. I feel like there's a lot to unpack in what we well, just said is. a few minutes there ago. Is. I, I mean, I think Dallas was making an excellent point about what sounded like, I, dare I say, unionizing. And oh. I don't know that that's necessarily a conversation that that's we want to be propagating right now or endorsing, uh, but I can certainly see value in you know, the people that we work to get with and, uh, you know, for um, supporting our, uh, you know, our livelihoods and and putting some protections in place uh, to ensure 
best practices. I do think that to another point about this industry being so young that we have yet to uh, we have yet to establish best practices in this industry. My wife works in finance and and big business, and and I cross my eyes when I hear the things that that she's talking about, and you know bores me to pieces most of the time. But but when she talks about best practices, I definitely appreciate where she's coming from because it's something that is unfortunately alien to us. I mean, there there are no industry standards for touring people. I I think that's part of what we would. You know, I, I hope we can ex- examine and explore over the course of these these podcasts, kind of talking through, you know, what we can do in order to move things along as an industry. Um, but to move away from that just for a second, I mean, Chris and Kyle are also talking about just working in, you know, under the circumstances that we're given. And nobody's trying to fuck up Chris's paycheck. So we don't want to suggest that he shouldn't have been there or (laughs) the artist should have done something different. Um, You know, we want, we we want everyone to be able to earn. Um, So let me throw this question back at you. I, I believe I'll preface it by saying, I believe that when social distancing measures get lifted, this is just me being a rocket scientist. I think a lot of people would say this. There will be a long period of time before major festivals and arena tours and large-scale events can happen again. So do you think there is a path to actually expanding and increasing the number and size of events by taking safety precautions? I know at Okeechobee, Dallas, you referenced this, um, they had sanitizer uh, all over the festival in order for people to start washing their hands. And honestly, when I read back and, and realized the date when that happened, I was surprised, frankly, that it was allowed to take place. I, that weekend that it happened, I was actually in right. Jakarta, Indonesia, about to load in a festival that I was doing um, with an organization called 88 rising. And I absolutely love what these guys are doing. And we're building major festivals all over the world. And this one came to a grinding halt before we loaded in. We literally went to what was supposed to be load in and was at the meeting that was to precede load in that it was decided that this festival needed to come down, that it was not safe to proceed, that we could not put the fans, let alone the artists, let alone the crews, which is another point in terms of the proximity in which these crews live, eat, sleep, and work together. And the Petri dish that we create, where everyone has the potential to become sick, but it was decided out of safety that that event couldn't happen. So, so back to my question, do you see a path to a promoter saying, we will do this festival, we will have to limit the numbers. God only knows what that does to ticket prices uh, in order for artists to make their guarantees. I, and this has been it a is problem forever, though. I mean, this is what I have seen my entire career in this business is that, well, we don't, I can't tell you how many festivals back in the day and even to the day, you know, people, wash stations. I mean, it, it, the list goes on, but it does, it is going to take a virus like this to put better parameters in place. But think about it. Like you're doing, you're working your average festival. You can't get people put on a shirt sometimes to walk into catering. You know, like that's the basic healthcare. Well, you know, and- I mean, come on, man. You know, and, then, and, then, and then they got some sort of slop bucket outside you're supposed to wash your hands with. And then, oh, here's a little spot of sanitizer. I mean, what's, what's that going to do? 
you know, and then you're mm-hmm. and, and why it, it, okay. Well, but why does it take? I'm sorry. But what is why does it take a virus, a pandemic, to make everybody start thinking about cleanliness and hygiene and disinfecting? We've been doing public, I mean, festivals for ages, and it's nasty out there. There, I mean, as far as even no even, question, even, even the the facilities to to use to 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 relieve yourself, those places are nasty. It's just, it's, I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Let, let's let's be clear and say not all. I mean, there's certainly experience the, of that. I, there are festivals. There, I'm having like a, a PTSD moment right now, well, thinking all, about but, one festival in particular. Uh, uh, but not go all, ahead. But a great a great a, a great volume of them are rough when it comes to sanitary um, regulations and just keeping it clean. Again, mm-hmm. you know. They're probably understaffed in, in regards to making sure that stuff is clean, but that's always seems to be some of the last yep. things that's looked upon is making sure that you have a clean environment to go to the restroom. Granted, people are nasty, and then you have to have people in there to clean them up, but it's just a rough situation that takes this to now all of a sudden people start thinking twice about you know washing their hands and doing that in the third. They should have been doing that. Shouldn't have taken the well, world to be okay. to an abrupt halt. But let but let's look at the positive here. I mean, maybe it unfortunately does take I hate to say a pandemic event, but a, a major event for for a best practice such as sanitary conditions to improve. Uh, certainly there are festivals that employ a company like, I believe they're called Clean Vibes, that does a good job of not only keeping facilities oh, clean, but actually recycling wait, 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 and things if I can like interrupt that. You, but Clean Vibes doesn't do bathrooms. Clean Vibes, you know, moves trash and recycles trash. There's a big difference there. And this okay. is why it's important because okay. this is the whole true. thing of like, you know, comfort stations versus just a portalette and all the other parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about hygiene is huge, obviously, and but culturally, there's also different cultural phenomenons with you know why things are certain ways and whatnot, depending on where you are. Um, but I think in a case like this, when it when it is a virus that I mean, the medical community still can't wrap their hands or heads around what this thing is doing. Um, and the issue here in many countries, and particularly in the United States, is the if you do get sick, there's nowhere for you to go. <laughs> That's the problem here. It's not. It's not. But I think. The issue for people like us is more that, um, you know, there's so many times in our industry, for example, that uh, a, a artist for some reason has to cancel a tour. And oftentimes the way things work is if you've done work for that artist in uh, forecasting, you know, advance work, therefore, a lot of times the tours still will not pay for that. You know, they, they expect the vendor to cover what the vendor needs to, but you as the individual are not covered. And I think, you know, this kind of goes hand in hand with like what I, what I was asking Chris earlier was, you know, it's not that I think it's, you know, of course he has to make a livelihood and of course he needs to go to, you know, if somebody needs him somewhere, it's great that he can have that opportunity. But the question is, is what is his protection? And there are so many little situations like that where we always kind of skirt the obvious or nobody wants to talk about because it does require a lot of money and a lot of effort and it will change the entire dynamics. I remember when OSHA came into play and we started, when I started this business, you didn't have to wear a harness to get on a grid, you know, to go up in the sky, you get on a rig without a harness. And then all of a sudden everybody started talking about harnesses and hats and we were all laughing, right? But now we do it, you know, and then, but I say we do it, but look at it globally. When you're in the U.S., 
how many times has somebody come onto a work site, i.e. a show, arena, a f- festival, and actually look at what people are wearing on their feet or if they've got, you know, high-vis vests on or hats versus in Europe where you can't barely get on the floor if you don't have, even in Canada or even our friends in the North. I mean, I've been to shows where a tr- poor truck driver came in the building just to get his lunch. And because he was wearing his flip-flops, he got a $1,000 fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, which is extraordinary, but they are serious when they say put a hard hat on and put the right shoes on and stuff. And I think that's really, to me, what the, the question is. And, you know, what I see is uh, in the long term is I do think we as an industry kind of need to refocus, perhaps, and think about the actual humans who make this ha- industry happen. And I'm not talking about unionizing in the obvious way, because look, a lot of reasons why we're here is because we hate unions. Yeah. But we do need to look out for ourselves. And I think we need to look out for thinking about how, you know, I've had friends who were carpenters their entire career. And then suddenly they were because, you know, they no longer drank and went to the bar at night. So they were riding their bicycle in Manhattan, you know, during a residency, it happened to be three o'clock in the morning because that's what we do. Cause we all are weird hours, right? Cause we all have different things going on. And, you know, he's riding his bicycle, gets run over by a dump trunk, loses his leg. You know, how do you go carp for that? <laughs> you know, it's hard to be a carp with no leg. Um, just when I thought you were you know bringing it home. But I mean, there's a perfect example of like, how do you protect yourself? And things happen. And, you know, I just think too often we don't take the time out in this industry to look at the long-term health and welfare of the people who build it and make it happen, you know, who make all those pretty lights and beautiful sounds and et cetera. I think we really need to be um, protecting ourselves for the future. Well, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate you bringing that back around home. I think, again, that is part of what we're doing here and the, the conversation we want to spark. We want this podcast to be more than just about us. We will host future episodes with a variety of different industry people to ask their thoughts on the matter. We definitely want to encourage people to reach out to us, contact us, send us their questions, let us know their thoughts uh, so that we can talk about that. And in time, we do want to establish those best practices. We do want to you know, move this industry in that direction where safety is uh, a better consideration, more of a consideration, a consideration for everybody in all situations. And, and I mean, I, and, and again, I appreciate see, you, know, you going down the rabbit hole a little bit there, Dallas. I, the question I was going to ask was whether festivals were going to come back requiring people to wear masks. But you asked them, answered a much better question than that. Um, although, again, let me ask that, though. Do you think festivals will happen with people wearing masks? Do you believe there is a path to doing events where people will be required to wear masks in order to attend as this thing comes back? I'm just curious. No, I, no, I doubt it. Um, you have the virtual festivals for virtual streaming stuff happen first, and then they start trickling down into having people enter the venues and whatnot. And they may do the temperature checks and whatnot, but I don't see them having people wearing masks. Anybody else? I don't. I don't think it's going to be a mask situation. What I heard just recently from a couple people, um, they were talking about the model versus having indoor things versus outdoor, and scientists are are leaning more towards uh, saying that outdoor situations will be the the route to take before we go indoors. So with festivals, does that I, mean festivals? Yeah, okay, they're, sorry, they're talking going. about festivals, amphitheaters, you know, sheds, all that stuff taking place before they allow people to come into arenas. 
Which is interesting, though, because when you consider what Dallas was saying a few minutes ago about infrastructure and cleanliness of bathrooms, what have you, at least arenas tend to have, you know, permanent facilities. Some of these festivals now, uh, you know, the bigger festivals, certainly Bonnaroo, Coachella have installed some permanent facilities, but they're still dealing with a lot of the portagons and and what have you, if not front facing for the audience, then uh then in in the back of house for for those of us who are working yeah um so that 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 is an interesting point but but i think kyle's right i i think both of you are right that that the live streaming movement is something that will happen more and it will get better um you know and even when small crowds are allowed to gather um you know i i envision full production small audience sound stage you know better AR VR technology being introduced. You know, if any AR company out there wants to reach out and uh, sponsor us, because I really think that there is no question that companies like Oculus um, and, you know, and Samsung and the products that they are making um, to enhance AR experience is kind of the next, not the next step, but a logical technological step to be taking in the near future so that people can be enjoying a full concert experience from the safety of their couch. And and I think that the notion of not being able to congregate with your friends and not being able to take pictures saying you were there will be alleviated again by other technology that will allow for people to have fan engagements um, to have interaction with each other. I mean, people at festivals pay thousands of dollars so they can stare at their phone and text their friends right, and tell them the true. show that they're seeing. They can do that. All you see is phones. All you see is phones. Right, so they, so they can do that from anywhere. We're exactly. seeing that now, Matt. I mean, I don't know what I don't do know mean? if you've been following like with social media, but there are They're looking D-nice. Killing it. Have, yes. Killing yeah, it. Yes. Who, who's, who's got a crowd of like 100,000 you know, every day in the middle of the afternoon. So if you right. convert that into a model where it's a pay model, then you've got a hundred thousand people, you know, virtually safe in their own homes, you know, watching Agree. the show. Agree. And my only point is I think that it will continue to get better and the technology will, uh, you know, continue to get better. And, the, and as the social distancing measures relax, there will be more full scale productions that are able to, you know, to do that. And, and people will get more of a true concert experience out of it, which will allow it to sustain. Although, uh, let me ask, I mean, how many people really are sustained by that? You know, when, when we're on the road, you know, a good sized touring crew is, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. from 60, 80, 100 plus people, you know, we're not going to sustain all those people. We're certainly not going to sustain the number of hours local labor um, is going to be working. That's, that's you know, another side of this is the local laborers and all of those who aren't necessarily on the tour. I mean, I'll, a lot of those people are still going to be without work. So it will take getting back to full-scale, you know, events before all of this, uh, you know, quote-unquote normalizes. But again, agree on the live streaming. But so here's the question, which I think I tried to ask earlier, but nobody actually answered. Kyle, when do you think we actually are back to business, full-time touring? Just just out of curiosity, because I've heard everything from late summer, early fall to next fall. What do you think? Well, for me, um, 
we were up until just a couple of days ago when they extended everything. My calendar had started in middle of June, July, uh, which now I'm assuming is going to go to probably sept- well August, September, September. Yeah. Um, and and it won't even be again. It's not going to be full on production. I, I really believe it's going to be a host of. Uh, living room couch kind of things a whole bunch of streaming in a in a sound stage um a little a little studio um for one the artists have to be the artists are beyond ready to get back to work but it's about you know the safety of everyone so they're going to do a nice little a lot of intimate situations um maybe a couple hundred to be streamed out to you know millions and everybody's hungry for audio everybody's hungry to do something but they're still going to be scared to get out and fraternize with a bunch of people they don't know. So even if they were to do some sort of outdoor event, um, it'd be at a minimum because it's not going to be that full compression joint going on like they're doing festivals. It'd probably be about, you know, six feet and still how they would figure it out, how the, the floor plan would be. But it's going to be later this year. I feel it's going to be later this summer. I don't see it going into next year like they're projecting again because I think that'll just make the bottom fall out of everything. Um, but I think late summer, um, early fall, and uh, to, uh, to get, to, to get um, the juices flowing and to, and to test the water. There's going to be a few test situations to see how they work. And once one thing kicks off that's of a substantial nature, then everybody else will follow suit. I love your positivity. I, I, I want to drink that Kool-Aid. I am not sure that I am ready to buy that, but thank you for that perspective. I appreciate you leading with that. D- Banks, what, what do you think of that? Um, I, I would love to be positive and say, you know, September, October, fall. I realistically don't see anything really happening until spring of next year, honestly. Um, Dallas. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, I, please, I, please I, I was going to say because just not not only just you know with large gatherings, but I mean, I I know of several artists that I work for that are huge. Yeah, bingo. Mm-hmm. That's who I know. And, and I, I, yes, I mean, sir. I mean, mm-hmm. just just that just I mean the way they operate, I can't see them trusting anybody. I don't care who you are and how long you've been with them. I just don't see a lot of these artists just jumping into a situation where they're going into public spaces, Bingo. you know, even with people that they know. I mean, I just, that's, that's just me. So, I mean, as far as really full, I think it, it has to start with the artists and them being comfortable exactly. to even do a living room situation with a small crew, you know, until we see artists actually bringing other people in and doing a virtual thing. I think that's the timetable that we will see because right now uh, until that happens, if the artist doesn't do anything, we're, we're not doing anything, you know? So I honestly don't see things happening until next year, really, you know, until this really just kind of just completely dies out. Okay. Okay. I, I, unfortunately I think I tend to align more with that thought process. Yeah. Dallas, I want to be optimistic like Kyle. And um, I do believe that small tight events, basically what we were describing are more likely to happen first before the large festivals. I mean, I think Coachella happening in October is a dream. I wish it was a dream, but we'll see if it happens, but I don't think it will. Cause I think until the science community can give us specific parameters that um, we can check people 
it's just like Chris said, most of the artists I work for, they are germaphobes and they are not going to expose themselves or before we, you know, before we even think about putting it on in a big scale. And I think we have to, you know, money we need, but I am concerned about my own welfare and say, you know, in healthcare and I'm not like, would I get on a bus without all the information that I think I want to know? I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, I think it's going to take a lot before it's going to be really interesting. I should say, um, who's going to be the governing body? Who's going to say in our industry? I mean, do we have to look at Live Nation as a governing body now, or is AEG like who is the authority that can um, perhaps put into place what we need to then move this forward? And I think maybe we're lacking that. Who knows? I'm very curious and fascinated how. And you guys correct me, but I understood, I heard yesterday that the mayor of Los Angeles is saying no live events until 21 in an, like to me that he could get away with that with the amount of, I would assume, pushback in the city. He said that, but it's not going to happen. 2021 is definitely not going to happen. So he said that, but it's not, it's not a hundred percent yet. I don't think so. I mean, think of it. They 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 just built a brand new stadium. Uh, they have all right. these events that happen, and that and twenty twenty one that that steps into the NFL season too. And now the NFL hasn't shut down anything just yet. They're still on pro, um, projection to move forward. So unless that changes, that twenty twenty one is never going to happen. Now, will they sell out the stadium? They probably won't have. It all completely took capacity, but um, when the start of football season hits, they definitely want to see some of that revenue. That that that's a huge cash cow for the for Of course, I mean all yeah. of LA right. is a multi-billion that's- entertainment industry, isn't it? Like, what else do you do there? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> well, now it's being entertainment, and that was the argument about Coachella. Right, that was the, the the argument about Coachella going away in the first place, right? Like the reason everybody said that you know that we needed to wait and see, we we need to you know we we can't let Coachella go away because it brings more than a billion dollars of revenue into the into the Coachella Valley every season, and and I think that that's you know the competing interest of dollars versus you know safety and security. I mean that's that's a that is a, an, an issue that's obviously being discussed at, at all levels, at, you know, at our level, at, at the basic business level, at small business level, at large scale business, big business, government. I mean, everybody is debating. But I, I don't know. Again, Kyle, I, I think that uh, I appreciate where you're coming from. I hope that you are right. I hope that we are back in business um, before 2021. I don't know. Who will make that decision? I don't know if it will come from government officials or if and when it does, if promoters will be on board with it. You know, chicken and egg, which comes first? Are the promoters going to say, no, 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 we're not ready. We don't want to risk our reputations. Or are the promoters going to say, we need to get back in business. The fans are rabid. We're rabid. The artists are saying they're ready to go. You know, everybody wants to do this, you know, push, push, push. Uh, you know, to Governor Newsom or whoever and say, we want to be back in business in Los Angeles, in Miami and Boston, you know, in, everywhere in the world before 2021. Anyone parting thoughts on that? How do we do it? <laughs> 
We have to we wait. Well, that that is definitely no, I mean, a question. I will say this: I, I work very cl- closely with the American Red Cross and have for thirty-five years on swimming. Okay, swimming is a, a contact is a sport that is not a contact sport, but it's a it's a physical skill that um, is very important if you care about water safety and if you want to make sure you don't drown and lose somebody unnecessarily. Now we can't proceed in the swimming community with anything like we're waiting. There's a big conference next week. Um, I'm going to get on a zoom call and find out what's happening. But, you know, think of, I mean, swimming programs all over the country are opening up for the summer, but we can't. So we can't until the country makes an absolute on how we're going to bring people back together. It doesn't matter how rabid people get for shows. And then what's it going to cost to put on a show? And then how do you transfer that cost? to the, the person and will they be able to afford that ticket? Because now that ticket's going to probably be even more expensive than it once was. Well, I think that these are a lot of big questions, questions that obviously we're not in a position to answer here today, but I'm glad we're talking about it. I want to keep talking about it. Uh, I want to hear from our listeners, what they think about it. I want to talk more to other industry professionals in the coming weeks and months to see what they feel about it. I also want to talk about how and what we more immediately can be doing in the immediate future to help ourselves, again, to, to hopefully find gainful employment in the meantime. And as, as discussed at the beginning of this podcast, how we can better prepare in the event of a work stoppage for future, whatever the circumstances. But I think for right now, that brings us to the conclusion of our first episode of Hustle Like You Broke. We are all hustling. We will keep hustling. We appreciate our listeners. And we are going to simply continue this conversation with part two. And we hope everybody will tune in again. I appreciate my associate associates. Kyle, Mr. Motherfucker, Brother Banks, Dallas, appreciate you guys, appreciate our listeners, appreciate your support, until the next time, please stay healthy, stay safe, buy a t-shirt at truemf.com, that's truemf.com because y'all talking, (laughs) motherfuckers keep them hand clean, that too, (laughs) keep hustling, thank you, and good night.